sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to a special edition of The Underdog this week. Chris Horwadell uh, joining me live on stereo for this live episode. Anshu Kana. Anshu, how's it going? Chris? I'm doing well, how are you? <laughs> I, I messed up our classic intro because this is I uncharted know. territory for us. <laughs> I was going to say, this is... Uh, don't, don't, get, uh, don't get set off your course here. Like, this is... You know, I think, you know, the issue is usually we have a good 10 or 15 minutes of just BS time. So mm. um, we have to just dive right into our, our rapport, which takes some, you know, it takes some caressing. So, it, yeah, you know, we're, they, people have to bear with us a little bit here. Naturally, do not get along. It's, it <laughs> takes right. time to warm up to each other each week. <laughs> really have like to dogs. Force it. That's right. Yeah, dogs sniffing each other's butts, basically. Just <laughs> make sure everything's Great still all right. <laughs> <laughs> Great cop. Yes. Uh, well, uh, it'll be interesting. We've never done a show during the day before, so it'll be interesting to see if we get anybody on here at all. But that uh, that's relevant to our purposes. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament about to kick off in three or four days. Three days, I guess. And I've got Bavada Sportsbook open in front of me. We're going to talk about all of the games and uh, some some other good stuff along the way. Before we start making picks, you know, give me your thoughts so far. What have been the big surprises? Have you enjoyed this tournament? Just a verbal salad, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, my picks have been horrible. So from that yeah. perspective, that hasn't been super fun. But <laughs> um, it's been a wild, expectedly wild tournament, I would say. Um, you know, you've got just you get the one seed in Illinois out. You've got the Big Ten, which almost everyone unanimously thought was the best conference this year, just looking horrible. You've got the Pac-12, which most people unanimously thought was the worst Power 5 or 6 conference, looking awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's been stunning, but it's been really fun. I mean, Oral Roberts, obviously the 15 seed into the Sweet 16 is, is great. And, um you know, mostly some some pretty likable groups. So it's going to be, as we'll see here in a second with the picks, like it, it's, you know, it's tough to, um, I, I didn't think any of these teams would be playing each other. So, um, you know, having to recalibrate based on these unexpected results is going to be uh, a tough road to navigate here. I guess my big question for you is what the hell's wrong with the Big Ten? Yeah, I. <laughs> it's a great question. It's the million dollar question right now. I I don't know. I, I think that, you know, part of what we had this year was, you know, a limited amount of non-conference games. So we were probably deluded a little bit into thinking the Big Ten is better, you know, maybe than they ended up being. But also the tournament's so much about matchups and we'll get to, to all these, obviously. But, you know, Loyola is not a good matchup for Illinois specific brand, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and along down the line, even Michigan State and Drake, like I think that there were. I don't necessarily think that the Big Ten was a bad basketball conference, but in a one game, a series of one game tournaments, you know, a winner go home scenarios, 
that this is kind of like what happens, you know? And, and so I, I, I don't think there's like a massive takeaway that the big 10 is significantly worse than the rest of the country, but maybe, you know, maybe it's just closer to being on par with the rest than what we all expected. Yeah. Can we talk about Luke Garza at Iowa for a second? I, I feel like this guy gets yeah. so much more shit than he deserves from the national media. And honestly, just, just people in general, I will, I will mention that my, my co-host of You're Wrong and Here's Why is Greg Crone. His brother, Matt, who he does his show, Better's Delight, with uh, is a is a friend of mine as well. And and I saw Matt was just taking a dump calling Garza like going to be an outstanding rec league player and stuff like that. Just come on. This, this guy's unquestionably a pro. He shot 44% from three. He's going to be a defensive liability from the word go. But there is no reason in a world where guys like Frank Kaminsky and Cody Zeller are NBA players that Luke Garza isn't an, isn't an NBA player as well. Yeah, he, they lost in spite of the fact that, you know, he was awesome. I mean, he he was great. Like, he's he's a good player. He's a good, great college player, of course, probably the player of the year. But yeah, I mean, look, here's the deal. He's not, he's, as you pointed out, he is like a Frank Kaminsky type. He is you know, your classic big American center that needs to get in the weight room a little bit more. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I still think that he's definitely going to be ticketed for the pros. And like you said, like his shooting, it's made for the NBA nowadays. And and he did, to his credit, he's gotten better and better. And there will be a role for Luka Garza in the NBA. I'm I'm very sure of it. The thing that I don't know. It, this reminds me of Jason Capono. When when uh, Jason Capono was in school, <laughs> wow. it, he, I remember him saying, like, if my name was Jason Kapanopoulos, I would be a top 10 <laughs> pick. And I think that's the same thing for Garza. If, if this was an international player, we'd be fascinated by him. But, you know, he's an American player, so we've seen him play for four years. And I drew the comparison <laughs> intentionally uh, because I was looking at our listeners. Let's go to Matt right now for a comment. Chris, thanks for saying we're friends. Um, I don't think Garza's even going to get drafted, if we're being honest. Thank you for your honesty, Matt. How about him thanking you for being his friend? That's <laughs> that's great. I would I would um, like more people to start conversations with me that way. Yeah, I, you know, from now on, maybe that'll be my intro. Thank you for for calling me a friend. Um, no, I I don't know. I think you'll be drafted. I. I think that your points about him being a European, you know, if he were a European, would he be better? Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Or seen better by the pros just because, you know, we now have the combine to sort of help bridge some of those gaps athletically. And I think we'd all see that, you know, he's not this uber athletic or, you know, he doesn't have necessarily have the best feel with the ball um, mm. as a perimeter player, which would have been a differentiator, I think, versus like a traditional European in some ways. But you know, I, I think that Garza, like there's, again, there's just, he's not like just your classic X center um, that we used to have in the nineties. You know, he, he can shoot, he can step out, he can rebound, he can block. And yeah, he is a liability defensively, but he's not unwilling. And I think that Garza is going to be a really, you know, a really solid second unit big for someone. All right. Well, let, let's get into the picks. Uh, maybe I think Matt's here to cheat to get some uh, some thoughts that are not his own, but I, I will say I think that he he won last week's episode of Better's Delight, so congratulations for that. Uh, let's get your picks, Mr. Kana, and let's start with the the next one up. I, I love this game. This is fascinating. I don't know if you saw it, 
but I believe Jeff Eisenband tweeted that uh, that when Loyola Chicago won the national championship in 1963, Sister Jean was 43 years old at that point. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, <laughs> still alive and kicking. The number 12 yeah. uh, Oregon State takes on number eight Loyola Chicago, 11:40 a.m. here on the West Coast, and Bavada has Loyola minus six and a half. Six and a half seems like quite a bit, especially for a team like Loyola that, you know, likes to slow things way, way down. I believe they're, if not the slowest team left in the field, then, you know, one of the three or four, certainly. And so, he, they, you know, they're, they're going to be deadened. Um, and, and with that in mind, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what you, when you have that few possessions, how you can possibly make them a six and a half point favorite. I know they beat Illinois by more than that, but um, you know, the way Oregon State's playing, this is nowhere near the team that it was in mid-February. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've gotten on a run. Both these teams, their last losses were to tournament teams. Loyola's last loss, I believe, was to Drake. Oregon State's last loss was to Oregon, who looked incredible against Iowa, the aforementioned Garza. And so um, I do like Loyola to win outright, but I do not love the uh, the six and a half there. I think I would take Oregon State. Oh, this is not the one I've been looking forward to. Uh, I'm dreading this day ever since when <laughs> we won this past yeah. game. But uh, number five, Villanova Wildcats take on number one, Baylor. And Bavada has Baylor minus seven. Yeah, and I I do think that seven is maybe a little light. I, I mean, yeah. I think it's it's impressive that what Nova's done, even without Gillespie and, you know, with other you know, just time off essentially. But I do think that, you know, they're, man, it's just, it's like Baylor of all the top teams. And we've, you know, three one seeds did still advance despite all the upsets. Baylor to me looked like the best version of themselves relative to the other teams, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought Wisconsin played like a B game and Baylor played an A game and you saw Baylor win that game and it was never close. And I, you know, I don't think that bodes super well for Villanova because, you know, even if they play a great game, I mean, unless Baylor's missing, I don't like their chances and Baylor's just not missing. So I give me the Bears here and I think that they cover that big spread. Yeah, that backcourt's going to be tough for Villanova to deal with without Gillespie. And I, you know, I think I mentioned yeah. this last week, but it's it's so bizarre to me to be in a position where I miss Colin Gillespie this much because I was so, so <laughs> eager to move on from him uh, and... You know, not giving him the credit for how important he was to that team. And really just uh, overestimating Jay's credit to recruit the point guard position because there really is only one true point guard on the roster. I know Archidiakono is playing, uh, is starting a point guard, but let's not mm-hmm. kid ourselves. Like, if if Archidiakono wasn't uh, wasn't Ryan Archidiakono's brother, he would have been playing, you know, lucky to play for, you know, North Texas or Oral Roberts or one of a team <laughs> of that caliber. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... That's definitely true, and um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have that piece. I don't know how much Gillespie, you know, moves the needle against Jared Butler and Teague and these guys, though. Well, I'll tell you what: a guy who would have potentially been interesting to move the Butler, move the uh, move the needle here against those guys, is playing in our next game. Former Villanova Wildcat uh, here, Oral Roberts, number fifteen versus the number three Arkansas Razorbacks. Bavada has Javon Quinterly in those Arkansas Razorbacks, mm-hmm. minus eleven and a half. Your guy, <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I uh, man, 
I love Oral Roberts to cover this number. I like the way they've looked. They beat Ohio State in probably the biggest upset of the tournament so far. Then they come back and look very good against Florida and again that Florida did not play that poorly. And now you get Arkansas, another SEC team. Um, and you know, Oral Roberts, I believe, has already played them, if I'm not mistaken. This is a rematch of a matchup earlier this season where Oral Roberts lost by 11 at Arkansas. And I mean, if it, I, I just, it, I think it helps them so much to have seen that game and to know that they can hang in it. Not that they're <clears throat> lacking confidence right now, but I just like I don't, I don't love that number. And I think Arkansas, of course, when they're shooting and they're running around, like it's, it's very difficult to slow them down. But I think the same can be said about Oral Roberts. It's obvious that they were massively underseeded and um yeah i just i think they can cover i don't think that they'll probably they probably won't win this game but I, I would have to say i think that they're they're worth a shot on the money line and certainly to cover that number quinterly kind of uh seems like he might be a little bit of a dick he's a little bit of a talker on the court got a technical late but man i wish he was our starting point guard right now yeah well yeah that now that moves a needle you get him against Baylor, then i'm now i'm talking oh it's a sad end, but I'll tell you what, having to force Justin Moore into playing you know, uncomfortably within his own role, playing point guard, is only going to be beneficial for him moving forward. I'm hoping yes. we get a lot of these guys back next year. I, you know, I'd love to see Gillespie take his fifth year. God knows he's not a pro prospect, uh, but you know, I would have said the same. Would have said the same thing about Archie Diacono. Uh, right. I, we'll That's we'll true. see what happens with JRE because he's you know he's a weird NBA player. He is a six foot eight power forward slash center, mm-hmm. so he's not exactly a modern day NBA guy. I'd love to get him back. It's probably naive, but we shall see. Uh, our it's next crazy game, how one game can really you know totally influence a guy's stock. Like and I think oh, that yeah. that's the case with him too. If he if they win this game. You know, suddenly he's one of the darlings of March, I think. But until yeah. that point, I agree. Six eight, yeah. I, I don't think he's. I, I think he should be back if if he's smart. Six eight, not a bouncy athlete either. And no. by the way, call, what you're what you're saying, cough, cough, Dante Divincenzo. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that's a fair. Yes, a similar stock rise for sure. Not similar Arf- players. No, for sure not, although I would kill to have DiVincenzo on this team right now. He would be our best point guard option, and that's saying something. Our final right. game on on Saturday, number 11, Syracuse, the uh, the darlings remaining of the tournament, I think, take on number two, Houston. 6.55 here on the West Coast, and Bovada has Houston minus six. Man, I mean, I think if you look at what these two teams have done in the first weekend, you probably have the easiest slate for Houston and the hardest for Syracuse. Like, I mean, Cuse mm. beats San Diego state and then West Virginia, um, back to back after, you know, many people questioned whether or not they should even be in the main field. Like they should have probably been mm-hmm. a play in team. They quickly put that to rest. And now, you know, and Houston on the other side played Cleveland state and then Rutgers, um, and they barely beat Rutgers. So, I like Houston a lot. I'm sorry. I like the Qs a lot to cover against Ooh. Houston. I think that they, I like that number. I think that they are very much poised to, you know, utilize that zone defense and slow down Houston. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the orange here in this, in this round. Is this a cover or a potential win? I, I mean, I think both like Qs is real hot. And um, yeah, I, I think that, 
you know, they they're the phrase battle tested gets thrown around in March a lot, but like, you know, their loss last loss I believe was to Virginia and before that, you know, Tech and then at Duke. I like and that was a while ago. In between that they they hammered you know, they beat UNC, they hammered some other good teams and then they had those two wins in the tournament that we talked about. So I like them to cover for sure. And then I think winning outright is certainly uh in the realm. Yeah, you know, we uh, you alluded to Dante DiVincenzo earlier. Well, I did, but you you alluded to JRE uh, in bumping up mm-hmm. his stock. I think the closest proxy we have for DiVincenzo might be Buddy Beheim at Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, obviously, DiVincenzo is such an explosive athlete. I don't necessarily know that we're seeing that out of Beheim, but the primacy of the scoring has been incredible. Right. Like, I mean, I, I did not expect to see that. Yeah, I agree. In the last few weeks... Um, between the ACC tournament and before then, like they, he's his, I, I, you know, it's so easy to just say like, ah, oh, coach's son got a pass, whatever. Mm-hmm. He is not that guy. Like he is really, really good. And he definitely seems like he'll be playing in the NBA here. Well, let's move to the Sunday games. Number five, Creighton, number one, Gonzaga, 11, 10 on the West coast. By the way, if uh, you're looking to get tickets for this, they are as low as $887 at the Hinky Fieldhouse. Bavada has Gonzaga minus 13 and a half. Oh man, that's a huge number. Um, And, you know, obviously Gonzaga hasn't lost, but again, you want to look at easy-ish roads, Creighton. I mean, I thought... California Santa Barbara could have beat them. Like I, I thought that they mm. were very much on the same playing field. And then I Creighton just played its best game that I've seen them play all year against Ohio, who I loved um, in this tournament. And so, yeah, I mean, I like Creighton. I do think that that's you know that number is definitely attainable for Creighton. But at the same time, like Gonzaga, you blink and they, you know. It's like football, you know, you blink and they've got two touchdowns on you. And they beat, you know, Oklahoma playing one of its best games of the season. They beat them by 16. And, I I mean, Gonzaga just seems like they're on a mission to me. So, I I like the Zags. I think that they absolutely blow out Creighton here. You down for the 887 to sit in the uh, the nosebleeds, row 13, section 307, (laughs) 887 each. I'm down if you are. I... I no, I'm good. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to a national title game in that city for like 250. So I think that uh, watching Creighton Gonzaga on a Sweet 16 <laughs> game at Hinkie Fieldhouse is uh, is one that I'm gonna go ahead and skip for the grand. By the way, this is uh, that's more money than I spent to watch the uh, Bojan Bogdanovic at the time in the Sacramento Kings uh, and oh, sitting courtside. Oh well, I mean courtside. <laughs> This is this is literally more than the courtside tickets to the Kings a couple years ago. <laughs> I like I don't know who's going to that. I assume it's just like Gonzaga family members or something. I don't. I think people are just are just. <laughs> and now We're I know Matt still is Yeah, no, people are uh, just are so eager to get to these games uh, that you know they're willing to spend anything for some weird return to normalcy. And now uh, let's listen to Matt talk about Bojan Bogdanovic for a second. It's Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he's the best. <laughs> Thank you for your chip in, Matthew. Uh, and, and apologies to Bogdanovich and the entire Bogdanovich family. Uh, let's, yes. let's move on here. This is a fun one. I think this is the, the it, well, it's now the uh, tied for the closest line with our next game. Previously was the, was the smallest line. 
Number seven, Oregon. Number six, USC. Uh, Bavada has USC minus two and a half. Yeah, I mean, USC, these are, you know, emblematic of how good this conference has looked in this tournament. Like, you know, probably the two best teams going into the tournament, but I don't think many people pick this to be the uh, the Sweet 16 matchup. And, mm-hmm. you know, USC's had a tough road. Like, Drake looked good against Michigan State, and then Kansas was a three-seed for a reason. USC didn't even let that get close. And then Oregon, you know, had probably the best single performance of the entire tournament so far in shooting, like, 60% from three and just lighting Iowa on fire. And, um, you know, obviously they didn't even have to play that VCU game. So this is going to be really interesting. I mean, you know, Evan Mobley is is an incredible player. This team, these two teams had a game canceled earlier this season, and then Oregon lost by 14 to them otherwise um, in their in their second matchup. I'm... I'm totally unsure about this, but I'm leaning towards Oregon. Like, I think that they are, they're, you know, they've got seniors, they've got really good guard play, and I think that, you know, USC just played so, so well against Kansas. I'm not sure that they have that in them yet again, so I will take the dogs in this one. And I'll tell you what, one of the real fun stories has been watching the ascension of Chris Duarte into, you know, being a college basketball superstar, and a guy who... You know, it, it's interesting. You typically think senior not going to be picked highly, but he's kind of a senior, right? He was a transfer. He's only been at Oregon for what? Is it a year? This is this is a guy who two years. This is a guy who wasn't on the national radar before. So I think he gets he doesn't suffer as badly as the typical senior is going to on draft night. For sure. And I mean, he does so many things for them. I mean, he leads them in blocks per game. He's yeah. You know, he, he does it all. And, um, you know, you'd like to see his assist probably up a little bit. But that's – he's a good, really good player. Omarui is another really good player. Figueroa, from a college perspective, is good. I mean, they're – they're they've got a lot of good players here. And um, I think that that's, that's tough in the tournament. And it helps when you're going, you know, moving along because you don't – you don't want to be just banking on one guy as USC often is with Mobley. I mean, they mm-hmm. – you really want to be able to throw waves, but I th- I do like Duarte both at, obviously at this level and and I think that he's definitely worth you know a mid to late first round flyer at the NBA level too. Am I crazy for thinking Evan Mobley should be the first pick in the draft over Cade Cunningham? Um, <laughs> I mean I would that is I wouldn't go that down is there. kindly your way of saying yes I am. <laughs> I would take Cunningham, I take Suggs, and then Mobley. But that's just Mobley's really good. Like, and I think that again, you want to talk about a game that can have, help dictate a stock. If Mobley wins this and maybe one more, I think there's a, a very solid chance that does happen. So, um, yeah, you know, you know, you know, would you go Mobley? Yeah, would I, I mean, the turnovers are a problem. If he's sure. a, a sub one to one assist to turnover, anytime a, a quote unquote point guard has more turnovers than assists, that guy's probably not a point guard. And at <laughs> six eight, you know, six seven, six eight, I'm guessing that he's a small forward, uh, most suitably in the NBA. Although we know the NBA is moving to this this world where we just give our best player the ball and and yeah, let him figure it out. I, he's just you yeah. know he is not a traditional point guard even even with the lackluster teammates that he may have, you just, you have to, you still don't turn the ball over. That's it. That's what it comes down to. No, they're not to. that bad. His teammates aren't that bad either. I, I, 
I agree. I, I would say I'm a little lower on him now than I was before you made that comment several weeks ago. So kudos to you for calling that one out. I, I did not notice the turnovers being such a big problem. They won. Who'd they beat? I think it was Oklahoma, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma, or maybe it was West Virginia without him. So they're not that bad around him. It's not like a Ben Simmons situation or a, or a Markel <laughs> Fultz. Like they've got talent and um, and they're well coached. So that's, that's a tough one. I was going to ask you though. So Mobley... Mobley, yeah. let's say he goes, well, I think he's a lock for a top three for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. him or, or James Wiseman a year ago? Who would you, um, who Mo- you think is I, better uh, stock headed into the draft? Better stock, I think, is Mobley because Wiseman had the incredibly small sample size, play, only played a handful of games, um, and we really didn't see him play against anybody of consequence. He, he beat up on some bad teams with uh, you know six seven six six centers. So mm-hmm. what can what can you draw from that? I think Mobley is is definitely further along. He's not as long as Wiseman. It's still very long. I think I think they're saying seven four wingspan, which is is going to do it at yeah, the, at the pro that'll level. That'll be okay. That's not a weakness. And um, you know you can argue that he doesn't have the benefit of having all of that time to train and improve his body, which Wiseman did last year. But mm-hmm. I, I would say I would say Mobley, and I think I think he Cunningham and and Suggs are the clear top three in the draft for me. Yeah, I you know what? I'm a liar. I honestly, I think Jalen Green's in that group too. I think Jalen Green's the guy who gets slept on, but wow. uh, but past okay. that, I don't know. Kaminga just does nothing. I I see OG Ananobi. I, that doesn't excite me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's understandable for sure. And how do you draft? Uh, how do, you know? And the Bulls may be in position to do this, but how do you draft Scotty Barnes in in the top seven? You're basically you're basically drafting a power forward for his assists and, and steals. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with another Florida state guy though last year. Like, I think that part of this is, um, you know, they project on, on traits and yeah. it worked out a little bit with Williams, I think, but also, yeah, I, I teams are going to be less and less hesitant to do things like that. Um, as you know, and especially during this COVID time frame where, you know, they may feel like they've got an edge over their, you know, the other teams drafting. Um, and so Barnes, I mean, Barnes is going to be a lotto guy, right? Like almost For unquestionably. Sure. Yeah. And by the way, he played at Montverde last year with Cade Cunningham, Dayron Sharp, and uh, somebody else who I'm forgetting, who's also going to be a first wow. round pick. So solid, <laughs> solid prep team. Let's, let's get back to the tournament, the West regionals. Number four, Michigan, uh, sorry, number, f- number four, Florida state takes on number one, Michigan and Bavada has Michigan minus two and a half. Yeah, I mean, and the Bovada has this line where it is because this is, you know, the seeds are not indicative of the difference in what these two teams are, especially with Isaiah yeah. Livers out. So I like I like Florida State. I think that they're going to be able to, to do to Michigan and take advantage of Michigan's, um, you know, lack of experience without Livers more than LSU was able to. They're basically just a more experienced version in my mind. And so... While LSU gave Michigan a good fight, I really like Florida State to uh, to put the clamps down and you know and to to basically to edge Michigan in this game. Well, and now I realize that even more so than usual that I'm an idiot because uh, Javon Quinterly is on Alabama, not Arkansas. I got my my A red teams confused there. <laughs> but uh, apologies to Moses Moody and the Arkansas Razorbacks. There you go. There you go. Our final game, number eleven, UCLA takes on the uh, the now twice aforementioned Javon Quinterly and Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> number two, Bavada has Alabama minus six and a half. 
Oh, man, this is, you know, I think a lot of people looked at Bama as a two-seed in this bracket that could potentially get knocked off when you, you know, when you evaluate which teams are, you know, potentially upset-prone. And they just destroyed Maryland, who, you know, pretty handily beat UConn. So that's an impressive win for Alabama. They did not do as well against Rick Pitino's Iona Gales, though. So Mm -hmm. it's not like Bama's coming in, you know, red hot. Meanwhile, UCLA... Beats Michigan State impressively in that massive comeback win on the play-in day. Then beats BYU decisively. Then just absolutely whoops Abilene Christian. So, I mean, has UCLA been tested? Is there like a great test in there? Nah, eh, probably not. But I do think that they've been better than I expected. I don't know if because you're, you know, nearer to that situation, you were a little more bullish on them. I, I like Bama here. I think that that number isn't that big when you consider that Bama's going to want to get out and just run, 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 run all over UCLA. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, while UCLA wants to slow it down, those two paces are completely different. And sometimes that favors, I think, obviously, the you know, the slower team. But in this scenario, when you have, you know, the Quinterlies of the world on Bama that are able to sort of dictate pace I, and, you know, the way Bama shoots and the way they press – I really like Bam on this game. Well, and I noticed this yesterday. I think it's worth bringing up again. UCLA point guard Tiger Campbell shoots 9.1% from three away from home. <laughs> Whoa, that's so bad. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a single digit um, unless it's like a big guy shooting one three. So that's right. that's pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, not ideal. Not the floor stretcher you really want for the Bruins there. But uh, a couple other things before we get out of here. Let's get your. Let's go to the uh, the regional winner props. Two of them are not interesting. You know, Gonzaga, the the West Regional with Gonzaga three fifty next to Oregon at six. Not not interesting. The South Baylor minus one fifty to Arkansas at at plus two twenty two closer. But let's talk about the ones that uh, are. You know, breathing down each other's necks. The East Regional. Bavada has Michigan number one, uh, the favorite at plus 150. Alabama at plus 180. Florida State plus 325. And uh, UCLA also included. <laughs> yes, also also receiving votes. I, <laughs> I, again, I absolutely love Bama there because, you know, first of all, they have easily the worst team of the four as their first matchup, which automatically, you know, you think of, they're what six and a half point favorites that feels like not a lock by any means, but certainly like they have a much easier road than either Michigan or Florida state do playing each other. And then I think, I think Alabama, you know, they look like a favorite either way against either of those two teams, barring like Michigan blowing out Florida state. So give me Bama. I I think that Alabama is a really good value play there. And the Midwest, uh, Bavada has Houston the favorite at plus 102, Loyola at plus 170. Might be a little bit of wow. a, a, a suck a bet there. Uh, <laughs> Syracuse at plus 500, and Oregon State at plus 975. Boy, I'm tempted by the Beavers, the way they've looked. Um, but I do have Loyola winning. Um, that's... I guess I would lean Loyola just because, again, I think that Oregon State's clearly the the worst potentially of those. But I, I also like plus 500 for Cuse because I do think that that's going to be a good game with Houston. And then I think if they play Loyola, that's like that, you know, that's like a pretty even matchup. So I think that Cuse is one to watch there. I would probably put a couple bucks on that one. 
Also, look, I want to, uh, you know, we 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 praise Bavada frequently. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out here on Shukan. Oh. I'm gonna call him wow. out. I can't find lines for you know NBA trade deadline props, but they have a line for where Bronny James will play his first NCAA game. So <laughs> I feel like I feel like that one had time. Yeah, no, that one that one's not urgent. Um, that one's sitting in the bank account for, or in the uh, in the Bavada safe for a couple of years probably. But uh, no, I mean I think that part of that's probably just to prevent from uh, you know the insiders being able to make a play you know i guess but i mean he's just that that's another guy if his last you know if his last name was not james and he were not lebron's kid we're not talking about him as a, as a duke or a kentucky player so you know mm. it's just uh but i guess there are certain fringe benefits even if he is bizarrely adopted his father's hairline way earlier than expected <laughs> Did not expect a Bronny James hairline. Is that on Bovada? Like, do we get a, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it is the regr- re- recession the in centimeters. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was crazy, though. He, uh, you know, he looked like your, your uh, I wouldn't say typical, typical like 16-year-old, but, you know, a typical 16-year-old high-level athlete. And then mm. he had that, that issue where, you know, he was smoking weed on Instagram or whatever. And all of a sudden, the guy looks like he's, you know, he looks like he's like 30 years old. I don't know what the hell. They may, they may have, uh, man. they may have subbed him in. Like LeBron might have bumped him out and replaced him with a different kid. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that one, but yeah. Look, the rumors, have, the rumors were always, and I didn't think we were going to go here to end the show. There were always rumors that Avril Lavigne died a long time ago, and they replaced her with a different version of Avril Lavigne. I'm saying it's not impossible that that's the case this here with Bronny fake, James. Fake Bronny? Yeah, fake Bronny. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take it one step further. It is. It is. Um. Who was Who was Jordan's youngest kid? Je- was it Jeffrey Jordan? Je- it's, this, this is Jeffrey? Jeff Jordan. Oh. Yeah, this is Jeff okay. Jordan in age-down makeup. <laughs> All right. Things are oh my God. The rails. Are, <laughs> We're as absurd as they can be. Last uh, last thing I'm going to ask you, sir, a tournament winner. Bavada has Gonzaga the favorite here to win the whole shebang. Plus 140, Baylor 400, Houston plus 9, Michigan 9, Alabama 1,000, Loyola 17, and so on and so on. Where are you putting your money? I've got to go. Ba- i got to go Zaga. Um, but I do think... I think Baylor is a really interesting pick there, plus 400. I mean, I, again, I think that Nova Nova's a team that most people, many, many people had losing their first game. So mm-hmm. while they're, you know, they're obviously not quite as bad as they, as people perceive them to be <laughs> coming into this tournament, they're still not like a, a super threat by any means to Baylor. And I just, uh-huh. I think that that, you know, that helps that helps sort of like grease the skids for Baylor. Like I think that they'll ease into this final and you got Baylor and Gonzaga in the championship. I think that that'd be, that'd be a hell of a game. Like I I don't, I'm not convinced Gonzaga can beat them. And I think that Baylor, I mean, they can for sure. I'm not convinced they will. And so if you're getting plus 400 in a semi even matchup, I mean, that's, that's golden to me. I think those two teams are clearly on a crash course to play each other. Yeah, Davion Mitchell is my current uh, draft crush for the 76ers at the end of the first Ooh. round. I, I saw that uh, opponents are guarding t- are, are shooting 29% when guarded one-on-one by Davion Mitchell. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's 
they're good. All three of those guys, Teague, Mitchell, Butler, are very, very good on both sides, really, of the ball. So, yeah, I'm a huge Jared Butler guy. I think that he's a really quality second-string point guard, probably, for someone at the next level. All right. Well, uh, this is uh, it's been a, it's a shorter show than usual for sure, but uh, we were we're trying something different now today because of uh, circumstances. So that <laughs> is going to be it for this week's episode of the Underdog here live on Stereo for Anshukana. I'm Chris Horwell. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>